Welcome to the Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions podcast, bringing people together through collaboration, creativity, and community all through the arts. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm your host, Maureen Buscarino, and I hope to inspire you and to help you discover amazing music and artists from around the world. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. Robin Gordon Cartier is an inspiration to me, and I'm sure she would really hate me saying that, but she really is. I met Robin at the Somerset Folk Harp Festival, where I work as the concert manager, and she's inspired me to be a better music teacher, performer, and all-around human being. I'm really not saying that lightly. You'll see in this interview how Robin doesn't sugarcoat the pain of life, nor does she discourage but she truly, truly sees people. She sees her students, she listens, and she transforms her pain into something that builds her and those around her up. Her vulnerability is one of her biggest strengths, as is her huge heart, her welcoming smile, and her laugh. I've never had so much fun covering such a wide range of important topics. We discuss education, understanding, truly seeing the humanity in each other, her own struggles growing up in the late 60s and early 70s, her own diagnosis with multiple sclerosis, and her courage to reach out and to help others and truly change lives for the better. Robin's been teaching in East Orange, New Jersey at the Cicely Tyson School of Performing and Fine Arts for 21 years, where she started a HARP program that as of the fall of uh, 2020, well, I'm over 50 students learning the harp. Her students are some of the most kind and beautiful musicians I know. I'm, I'm sure they get a cue from Ms. Cartier. So good to see you. I'm, it's just, I mean, I wish we could see each other in person, but this is the next best thing. So. It certainly is. It certainly is. Yeah. How are you? I am really good. Really good. Not maybe getting as much done as I originally thought, but I'm okay with that. And so I'm doing well teaching every day. Mm. So we teach every day from nine till two. And um, so working hard, harder. I read something that said the students are going to not necessarily remember the math or the skills we teach them right now, but they will remember how they felt. Yeah. So everybody needs to relax. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? It's hard for everybody, oh, but no. praise God, we're still standing. True. And you yeah. can pray for the people who are fighting it and just, yeah, that's I it. Totally Don't watch agree. the news, I say. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to learn how to play the harp or find out more about the instrument? Well, this year marks the 20th anniversary of the Somerset Folk Harp Festival. The festival will take place online, so no matter where you are in the world, you'll be able to take workshops and listen to the concerts, meet the harp makers, and find out more about the harpists from around the world. Celtic, jazz, classical, electric harp, Paraguayan harp, and more. So check out the festival at somersetharpfest.com. That's Somerset, S-O-M-E-R-S-E-T. Hope to see you there. podcast is um so it's i just started it so i can interview uh 
amazing musicians from around the world, and you are one of those musicians. Uh, one of my favorite people, I have to say. Um, you always make me so happy. You're always so giving, and uh, you've helped me out as a teacher, like when I was just starting out, and I appreciate uh, everything that you've done for me. So thank you. And so this, um, your interview is going to be part of a special series on Somerset Folk Harp Festival. So okay. um, I'd like to, if you don't mind, I'd like to just start with your history of the festival and like just how that all came to be. Okay, okay. Somerset Folk Harp Festival. You know, because I live in New Jersey, it's close. And it was a festival that was close to me, but my history with them, see now I'm remembering, Jerry Serviante used to go to Beginning in the Middle. That's where I met her. And so I was a presenter there and a teacher there and she invited me to present at Somerset. So that's how my history started at Somerset even while it was very close. And the thing that was different for me was, it, I mean, it's just a great festival. So many people from all over the place, really, really just wonderful. And the only thing that I didn't like about Somerset was that kids couldn't come. Now, yes, my kids get on my nerves, my students, all of that. I, I do admit, but my, my, my heart was just like, well, this is great, but we're, you know, there's no, there's no legacy. There's no growth. There's no movement when you just cut out a whole population and in step Kathy D'Angelo, and she said, yeah, bring kids. And so now my Somerset time, while very different, I'd say it's, it's much more rewarding because my students learn. They learn how to be in the world with other people, in a hotel, in a pool, how not to talk late at night, how to have fun, how to you know, appreciate other people and to be appreciated with, with what they play. All of a sudden they're like, oh, I was able to do that. So. Summer said, I loved it in the beginning just because it was just such a great meeting of a bunch of harpists. But I believe having the students there and having the kids intermix, I think it's good for everybody. So thank you, Kathy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And they just bring such a great energy to the festival and it's just so alive. And, you know, just see, like it, during the performances too, that, you know, they're young kids in the audience, like being inspired by these amazing musicians. Yes. It's so important. It really is. It really is. So it's almost like it came full circle. And so I think it is at, you know, just a really great place. Because if you can't grow, if no growth is going to come, it, it doesn't, you know, make sense to me. Yeah. And, and just to see the instrument in so many different styles of being played and so many opportunities, it, it's just like to... You know, I mean, the lunchtime performances too. That the that oh my gosh, lunchtime. yeah, that the that everybody sees these groups of people like with their harps and your students with their harps, and you know, I, I see the looks on their faces when people are applauding them, and they're just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, and your your Somerset's Got Talent. I mean, you know, oh, there's so much fun, so fun, yeah. and and it's it's really fun because it's also you know it reminds me of Ireland when when I would study in Ireland in the summers. And they'd have the Kayleys, if I'm remembering how to say it right. And I even went to a couple of competitions. And the thing that struck me as a child was, oh my gosh, nobody goes to sleep. <laughs> because they would go all night long. And it was just, that was the best. For me, I was like, oh, playing the harp is so cool. We get to stay up all night. It's dark outside. 
and people are dancing and playing. And so, yeah, that's one of the things I think Somerset really embodies. It's like, if you could stay up, we have stuff going on for you. Oh, yeah. And that's great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All the, you know, the uh, O'Carolyn marathons and all that kind of stuff. But actually, while I'm uh, on the O'Carolyn thing, since it's his 350th birthday coming up this year, um, do you have a favorite tune of his? Look at, look at me, and I had set my harp in <laughs> I set my harp in a different key, but... Carolyn's Concerto. Oh, beautiful. Love it. My teacher made an arrangement of it, so, you know, I grew up playing it. And so, yeah, Carolyn's Concerto. Mm. That so, is beautiful. Hopefully that'll be in there. Yeah, I hope so. I, I can't see why it wouldn't be. It's probably just, like, so common, but, yeah, yeah I love that. My beautiful. teacher did an arrangement, a harp ensemble arrangement, and... It's just one of those fun memories I have because as kids, we always tried to play everything faster than it was supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> so when I hear that, I always just, think, you know, I always just remember my teacher glaring like, <laughs> down at us. And don't let dancers be involved because a lot of times we played with Irish dancers. Mm. Oh boy, you really wanted to play faster then. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's like playing harp in a session and the fiddlers just like go off and you're like, slow oh. down. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't that fast. Yeah. So, yeah, we just wind up accompanying them instead. Yeah, which chords. Is, yeah, like I can do that. <laughs> Absolutely, I think it's great. I think it's great, and even with the marathon, it's like yes, let's all send in some pieces um, for Kathy for that. Yeah, and and I love that you're working with like new composers too, uh, with. Um, with Deborah Henson Conant on um, with her pieces and 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 teaching them to your students too, it's just it, it, so amazing. They mess up everything. You understand? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so funny. Everything, but you know, I say that like jokingly, but it is funny because it's a whole different thing when you include students because now you're not just there, you know, with your own performance anxiety or angst or whatever you don't even have time for that because you have the kids so with Deborah the thing was we made it into I made it into a challenge for my kids because I had been hired to play with an orchestra in Pennsylvania and I told them I would do it if I could bring four students to play with me so they were competing for this spot and and we went up to Pennsylvania on a Friday night and we did a children's concert Saturday and Sunday was a performance. And on Sunday, two of my friends got on a bus with 40 of my other kids and they came to the show. Oh, neat. It was so interesting. So now I'm the soloist with this orchestra. We did Nightingale, Calafipso and Baroque Flamenco with my students also um, with me. But I'm outside 10 minutes before the show is about to start waiting for the bus. I was like, I told my girls, I said, so this isn't the way it will really be. You'll really be in a green room somewhere, you know, having some drinks and not waiting for kids to get off of a bus. But they had, it was such a good experience for them. It just really was. And Deborah's music is just fun. And so playing music, and that's my new thing, playing music or arrangements of live composers. So I'm having that. a lot of fun with that. Yeah, and um, that they just, get to meet yeah. her too. Yeah. And All these composers that I know personally, some that I'm looking up, if they're living, yes. Dead. Mm. Unless they did an arrangement of a dead person, then I can play that one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's really, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's oh. a lot of fun. And that, that collaboration, and we're probably going to go up and do a retreat 
at her house as soon as we can figure out, you know, the logistics. But that's why it's good. I still have my alumni students mm. because they're older. And so they can go, you know, there's all the um, legalities right. of, you know, taking the smaller ones, which is why I'm so glad Somerset is in Parsippany, New Jersey, because we're able to get to there. Yeah. No, that's a terrific program. And then so you, you collaborate with Kathy, like your school collaborates with Kathy. Uh, and the it's. It's just, it's it's so good, you know, it's one of the things I can say to the kids and that's, oh my gosh, this year, you were gonna meet so many new ones because I was taking another step and bringing, I have some younger ones who are very motivated and very excited. And I was, I was bringing them as my, my, my new crew, even though they're younger and I'm like, oh, I don't wanna have to watch any kids, but that's why my alumni come. And mm. so with Kathy opening up the youth ensemble, not only you see here is how to me it really worked so she opened up the youth ensemble so kids come and they all are in the two classes a day and then they pick one but now some of my older kids my juniors and my seniors who have been coming they now go and they go as i say they get to go in population <laughs> and so <laughs> they they love that they're like yes we're out of there and and they get to go even though um two of my older ones now amina and um Malia, they're like no, but we love Dominique, but we're older now, but we, you know, and so they go back and forth and I'm like, you can call her. You can, you know, call her. You could still talk to her. You might even be able to help her. Mm. And so it's just been, it's been fantastic. And it's something we fight for every year because every year the school boards change. And as the school boards change, different things, you know, happen and don't happen and everything. But yeah, so it's been, it's been really good. And I think the other thing that has happened with Kathy is the variety of workshops. For my students, you know, um, if we want to talk worldview, I live in East Orange. I teach in East Orange. We're 99.9% African-American here. They don't have experience except for their teachers who are Caucasian. They don't really have experience with other races at all. Maybe one Spanish person, maybe one white person. That's it. And for them to be able to be in a, a, a the opposite. So then we come to Somerset and it's the opposite. It's like, wait a minute, now how many are we? But for them to discover what I discovered at a very young age, that where color doesn't matter is in the music. And to appreciate the different music. I have some kids who are like Irish music fanatic. I have some kids who like the new age stuff. I have like, there's so many things to choose from. We also played um, Alfredo Ortiz's Cha Cha Cha. Oh, right. And for them to play it with him there, they're like, oh, you know, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. It was a big deal for them. So, And I know he loves your students too. You know, He came to the school on his way to the airport. Oh, they wow. came to the school last year and did a workshop with the kids at the school. It oh, was... Wow. I mean, it was really something. And even, you know, this situation right now, even us interviewing and being online, yeah, there are some things about it that are really like, you know, bad, not even getting into the disease of it all, but just the the fact of, wait a minute, we're really not going to see everybody. But I think what it has done and what it's doing for Somerset, it's, it's going to open a whole nother avenue. Like I think, 2021 mm -hmm. will be Somerset in person and online. Yeah. I think that it's it's like one of those things that you're never going to be put able to put back in the box mm -hmm. because so many people who didn't have access before 
will now have access. And how cool is that? Oh, it's amazing. I think Kathy said that when she announced it, people from Alaska and like all their all around the world were saying we can't make it there, but we always wanted to experience it. So now they can, which yeah. is incredible. You know, yeah. I, I it's just I, I'm so thankful that we have this technology that we can meet together you know it's so fortunate in that way you know so I just love that you've brought your students into like a whole new world and introduced them to so much music and and love I I, all I see when like you know like I, I when I see you I see your students and I see them interacting with everybody it just makes me smile it makes me so happy your students make me so happy. Like, oh, they love you. So, <laughs> I'm like the love goofy you. one that's always like, hey. <laughs> that's it, that's it. No, but it's so helpful because it's not in the same way that Black people have a reputation that's not great from people who've never met us. The same. My kids are terrified before they come because it's just all the misconceptions and perceptions. And it really works because then people come and visit the school, the kids talk about things differently. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's fantastic. And it's funny because if you came to school, you would see them differently. I try to blend it over, hmm. but there they have a couple of rules. And one is they have to smile. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they walk around school like this. <laughs> 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 you know, the teenagers, oh, that's what teenagers do. Forget about the online lessons right now. Yeah. This is how they come to class online, like this. <laughs> and I'm like, um, I need your face in the middle. Oh, my hair. Oh, and then they'll do like this. It is, it's a real learning <laughs> curve. It's a, it's a real different situation. But um, I think we're going to be better for all so. of this and so. Somerset is just gonna like explode because it's gonna be a whole new you know how are you gonna do both be the online queen and the on-site queen I don't know <laughs> gonna have to start training people yeah yeah I mean we'll we'll just grow with it you know like yeah. but like you said you know I mean just getting to people who can't leave their homes you know it is an amazing amazing thing that you can do now you know, it is. And, reaching and out as to intimidating, them. you know, videos are intimidating because they, they don't go away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they don't go away. And so you play them and you play them and you play them over and over again. Um, but what a blessing for when you're sitting in class and you missed it Yep. to be able to just replay, Yeah. to yeah. be able to go back and say, what was that that person meant? What was that that person meant? So yeah. It's, it's going to be good. I'm going to be hopefully able to put that in my lesson plan and, you know, just yeah. run with it. Well, I was talking to uh, Kim Robertson and she was saying she, when she started doing her workshops, she would pack them full of like lots and lots of information. She wanted people to get their money's worth. And she had a dream that someone in her dream like said to her, like, you know what, you could just, you don't have to teach them because <laughs> sometimes people only get, leave a workshop or a class and they remember one thing. You know, and if they can remember that one thing, then that's, you know. Just just one thing. Abs absolutely. And, you know, I tend to, I, I in person and um, likewise, I'll do online. I tend to write when people come into my workshops, I say, I give out little pieces of paper, write down the biggest question you have or write down the biggest thing you wanted to get from this workshop. Because everybody's read the description, right? And you came because you wanted something. 
what was it you wanted? And so I have them write it on little pieces of paper. And like every five minutes, I pull a paper and I just read it. Hmm. And I answer that question because it used to make me so mad to not really give people what they wanted. And what you found out when you asked them, write down what it was you wanted from this classroom. Sometimes it didn't even have anything to do with what the class was. Right. It, right. It's amazing. It's like, you wanted to know about memorizing, but this mm. class is about fingering and, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. and so finding ways to blend that in because exactly, just like you said, Kim said, what can they leave with? And then always including the instrument as much as possible. Yeah. Well, oh. No matter what it is I'm teaching, we can now, okay, how do we relate it to this? Because they're there for the heart. Well, like fingering and and memorization, like that, they kind of go hand in hand sometimes, you know? So that's a really good way to like put them together. So you put everything, I tend to put, you know, on the handout, what it is I want want them to know as much as possible. I do like them to take notes and really participate. But I put a lot there so that then now it's kind of like, okay, now let's talk. Mm. So what do you want to know right in person that these pieces of paper aren't going to tell you? And it really, it's great. It's great. How do you approach beginners? Like, do you have a a song that you like teaching them? Or do you do more like chord progressions? or With beginners, and it's funny because there's so many different ways, but I think we all kind of teach in the way that we, that in the way that we learned, you know, we all, we all kind of learned a certain way and that's the way we are. And so I'm still the whole, um, uh, Betty Perret, second finger, one finger at a time kind of girl, you know, just getting, getting that finger in and getting that, um, pulse, let's see if I'm getting your fingers, you know, being able to put your finger on a string, thumb up, not necessarily elbows up, even though I was raised that way, but just space. You know, MJ Diarville says, just get some air under your armpits, you know, <laughs> and things like that to just get them to be able to, you know, how do you, how do you get a good, how do you get a good, how do you get a good sound um, to let them, because, you know, you want them to touch the heart. And so if they don't touch the heart, then, then, you know, it's almost like, well, what did we just do? So I like them to touch the heart. Beginner songs, I, I do a lot of scales and it will sound kind of crazy, but once they, um, uh, Kathy Bundex more elegy because you can teach people to play A, G, F, E, right? You can teach them to go down. And if they're doing that and you're adding and they're doing that and you're, you're doing the whole thing, yeah. right? What I've learned from my kids is they have no problem doing that one note and feeling like a rock star, mm. which they should because there's so many different things to coordinate. So I like Kathy Bundex more elegy. First page only. The first page is what's in her thumbs up book. But then someone was like, it needs to be more. It needs to be more. So she did do two pages, but um, I like the first page. Um, Canon and D, because they all recognize it. And so you can really, and that's working with them on the geography of the heart. Where's a D? Where's an A? Where's a B? Where's an F? You know, finding their way around. And then all of a sudden, wow, they're playing something. Also same, you know, um, Right, this whole thing, you know, the C A F G. So then you have um, you have that kind of thing that everybody remembers. That's the piano song, right? Right, right. Everybody <laughs> that on the piano. Um, but once they learn that, that progression goes with so many other things. 
So I like getting their hands on the harp. Yes, we do talk about the glissando because that's what, you know, to me with beginners, very slowly and, and, and don't be jaded. Mm. You know, it's easy to be jaded. You've played the harp for a lot of years. <laughs> so you don't remember maybe that feeling. Um, but once I started working with adults, I started recognizing that feeling mm. that adults were happy to learn twinkle, twinkle. They were happy to go slowly because then they knew where they could get to. And so going slowly, I have my beginners do a lot of making up their own songs. Mm. So pentatonic scale. Right, right. Absolutely. Right. You know, where every note sounds good. Yeah. Even yeah. It might all sound like, you know, you're at a restaurant or something, <laughs> but you know, so, but my biggest thing with beginners is hands on. They've got to touch something, got to play something. Um, that's why theory separate from the heart is a necessity. Even as you combine the theory with the heart, you show them where it is. But in the beginning, if they're non-music readers or anything like that, you really have to, it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot of stimuli to try to pour that all in. Oh, sure. You know, um, I like um, Bonnie Moore's book. It's a beginner book. What's the name of it? But it has colors. It has the red C's as red and the F's as blue. And you would think that no adult would ever want to sit with that mm. book. But that's when you forget that they don't know what this thing is, that there's so many signs and signals and things that they have to learn. Sure. So with beginners, I like to start it slow and easy. And I kind of let them lead the way. You know, you have, you're a teacher. So you have some beginners who come to you because they want to play in church next week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not the one that says they can't. But my teacher friends are going <laughs> I'm like, well, you want to play next week. I guess you're coming here every day, right? Yeah. And the song of choice is going to be Jesus Loves Me. I can get that in your fingers in one week. No, you're not going to play the rudder cantata <laughs> or whatever. You know, yeah. I did have a girl who came. She wanted to play in her church's orchestra in three hmm. weeks. And Wow. That's yeah. ambitious. Yeah. 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 But I do. I will with my adults. I lead from what they're, why are they there? Why are they there? Yeah. I mean, they have less time in front of them than behind them. They don't necessarily need to do 30 etudes to be able to play the harp. Right. And they may be intimidated because they might think, oh, you know, that's for like, if I didn't pick it up when I was like 10, you know, or younger, then, you know, it's, I'm a lost cause. But then you're like, no, not at all. No, like, that's I, where chord symbols become your best friend. Yeah. Well, I remember I was sitting at the festival one year and there was a woman who in her 90s sitting next to me and she just picked up the harp. And she's like, I always wanted to play. And I just, I came to the festival. I wanted to pick up the harp. And I'm like, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> like, that's awesome? amazing. You know? That's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. That's cool. Maybe there'll be something before, you know, even as the advertising of the festival and things like that, where we could get people, you know, with the, I always wanted to play a harp class. If we could get some kind of package where they can rent a harp before even the class, like, be like come on let's figure out a way to get harps in their hands because this is coming up yeah. isn't that funny or like to get um people to get their friends mm. so now i'm thinking look at me i'm thinking of how i'm going to promote my workshop yeah. but you know telling people who are the harpists okay what about that friend that comes to tea mm -hmm. you should have them take this class yeah I, I mean i was thinking i have a you know loner harp and i was thinking of just dropping it off at my friend's house <laughs> 
like outside the door. I'm like, you guys can wipe it down or spray the case or whatever, but now it's in your house and then you can yeah. take some classes now that you're home or so, yeah. you know, like I'll just, I'll be like the Pied Piper of like harps, just like, you know, that'd be fantastic. And you know, Nia, my student Nia, who's the college. Sure, yeah, I, yeah. She went to my school on Friday. Because I've been in quarantine, she went to school and she got six folk cards and was able to deliver four. Oh wow! On the sidewalks, I have two here now that the parents gonna have to come get off my porch. I have a closed-in porch, so yay! But she was able to deliver four. Oh, good like, for her. let's go. We're still four weeks in right now. Yeah, you're gonna need the music even more. You know, that's yeah. it's a it's the music and the artists and you know the teachers that are really helping us. That's why everybody's looking for. They're looking for positivity they're looking for like hope they're looking for music they're looking for yeah. a way to express themselves you know and maybe in different ways than they normally would you know so why not pick up the harp now why not why not just start yeah. practicing yeah you really i said we're gonna have some surprises come out of this quarantine who never did anything in class but all of a sudden now they're playing like they've been listening for years i have an 11th grader she wants a harp She's been listening for years and doing nothing. And I see her coming out of this situation, really being able to play, really being able to do. I have 41 students this year. Wow. And um, only one is a senior. So I'll have about 50 probably next year. Wow. And just, you know, the opportunity in the midst of, like you say, this kind of horrible time for them to be able to have their harps at home. Because the other thing they've never had is an opportunity to play without hearing anything. Oh, They're used to playing in total chaos of 30 different songs going on at a time. So I think they'll find out a lot about themselves. So that's incredible. Working with Virginia Harp Center to get me some tuning keys. Oh, good. Well, maybe we could could put the word out and uh, see if other people would want to, you know, donate some harp keys to you. You know, I'm sure we, I'm yeah. sure we could get the word out and get people to it's, help. It's you so funny. That. It's the thing that goes missing the most. Yeah. And I, I don't, <laughs> don't let it go. <laughs> I played the harp for a million years and like, don't lose my tuning case, yeah. but nope, they do. Honestly, they do. It's good. And Kathy has helped, you know, with harps for me. And so there are kids playing who wouldn't play except for um, a loner harp that, um, you know, she gave me for, you know, this kid and there's that kid. So the kids are looking forward to something happening in the summer too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's my so yeah. how many, I'm just curious, like how many other public schools have a harp program? Wow. Tons. Do they? Re- okay. Yes. Wow. Um, there is a program in South Jersey that I don't know a lot about, but sometimes near Kathy, actually, I think, um, the Cherry Hill area, but in terms of the country. So we've got the Lyra Harp Society in Philadelphia, where they have harps in all in different schools. We've got um, Drew Charter School in Atlanta, where they've got them. Arizona has a bunch. Charles Lynch teaches about 256 students. Wow. He tra- <laughs> wow. God bless them, wouldn't be me. I said, you young people do that. He travels. In fact, um, there is a, a job opening for another harp teacher in his area. Hmm. And so Texas has about three, LA has about three programs. It's funny, it's like one of those things, like the Harmonica Society that you look under the rock, and it's like, 
wait a minute, you put it on harmonica? So do I, so do I. So it is something that's that's done. It's It's a fight. It's a fight because people don't necessarily get it or really believe in it. And one thing across cultures, music has gotten just loud, 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 and louder. Mm. So taking this thing called harp that you just want to have them play acoustically is not necessarily always possible. We do a lot of different things, say, that we play at school. And that's another reason why Summer said it's so great, because then it's like, oh, it's just harp. And it's not a million things except for on this stage. But people are in a corner playing here, playing there. Yeah. Um, so growing. And we hope we hope to still um, be growing. We're trying to get the, the schools, some of the schools to come together and for us to all meet up oh, neat. with the kids, right? With yeah, the that'd be incredible. Area because it's once again the common denominator. It doesn't matter your age, your size, your color, just what what do your fingers do? Mm-hmm. That's what people want to know. Yeah, how exactly. Do you, you know, how yeah. do you play? So, but my program, I've been here now, I think um, about 21 years in East Orange. And I was four years in Elizabeth before that. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and at my concert this year, seven alumni kids. Oh, prepared. wow. Oh, that's so great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They were here like till midnight practicing and things. Cause you know, they are all grown with cars and they didn't want to embarrass themselves, but it was, what was very nice was them standing up and saying, hi, my name's Ashley Taylor. I'm a fourth grade teacher and Aww. I play the harp and, and we did all of that kind of thing. And that was fantastic. That is fantastic. That, that was good to see and to be like, oh, I see you still want to play. And the kids who are playing, you know, in different places. It's nice. Yeah. You've got to get, got to get them doing it. Definitely. All right. We're, we're on it. We're going to come up with like new ways to get people harps <laughs> and tuning yeah. keys. And oh yeah, we're, we'll just have to be, you know, we're all creative. So we'll come up with some really, uh, really great things for all these like students. So, so, and you know where I am if you need me to help you out with anything. Yes. So. And we'll come up to your theater. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you know, a little music before the show. I'd be up for that. I'd be, you know, yeah. This year they did. They did weddings this year. They they did, you know, they did different things. They did different things this year, and and so that's nice too. Because my model is always, I need them to learn how to be without me. That's why you don't usually see me. And someone said you don't see me with them. Right. I well, you need a break too. (laughs) I hi, and I want them to be the you know maneuver, and so that's another reason why it's been so important because it's a safe place mm. for me to take them. Right. What got you into playing the harp? Like now we're talking <laughs> to your kids, are you getting them inspired? How'd you get inspired to pick up the harp? Oh, you're funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. My house, everybody had to do an instrument. Nice. You had to until you graduated high school. That was just a requirement. And it's funny because my parents aren't musicians. I mean, my mom played the flute. My dad played the drum, drum you know, marching band. Mm-hmm. But they weren't musicians, but they were people who believed in music. And my aunts played for churches with church people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to take piano from my aunt who lived down the street. And I hated it. And I wanted to quit. Gotcha. And I came home and, you know, my parents were like, well, what would you want to do? Like, you could quit, but you have to have something else. And so really, now that I'm older, the true story has come out. And that is... I picked the harp because I figured I could never get it. 
They'd never get me a harp. Are you kidding me? I saw the harp. I mean, I knew David played harp in the Bible. Mm -hmm. That's part of my rationale, by the way. As a preacher, <laughs> my grandfather was a preacher. But also that um, this is now 1969. Things were tumultuous, mm -hmm. racial tensions, all sorts of things. And in my little brain, this thing called harp would probably be one of those things we couldn't do. Mm -hmm. I remember this so clearly. And when I look back, I'm like, how is a nine-year-old thinking that kind of thought? But see, this was, um, I, I, you know, you'd hear your parents talk because you're nosy. And so I knew my dad wanted to be an architect, mm. but they wouldn't let him go to architect school. He had to go be a draft man. And I knew my mother wanted to go away to college, but the, the college she wanted to go, you know, it just wasn't the time to be traveling around the country. Um, I knew that um, Kennedy had gotten shot. Um, Martin Luther King had gotten shot. And I knew this, why? Because as a family, we would all sit in front of the TV and watch this sad thing happening. And my parents would be crying. And we're like, what's wrong with them? Like, can we go outside? You know, like we, it, it waved over us as children. We didn't really feel the impact, but we did see. And I remember hearing things that we couldn't do. Fast forward to me and my little devious nature thinking Harp was one of them. So I got to quit piano that day and do what I wanted to do, which was play Barbie dolls and jacks. <laughs> that was my goal in life. <laughs> play with my Barbie dolls and play jacks. Mm. In six months, it took my parents six months and they were looking wow. to find a teacher. And one day my aunt, you know, the piano teacher, her and my mom came and said, we got a surprise. We're going somewhere. I'm like, where are we going? So we're going shopping or something. And we entered a house. The door opened, and, and you know what's funny? Let me see if I can maneuver. You can see see my 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 studio, as it were. Mm. The house looked like what my studio now looks like. It was full of harps. Wow. And I was like, because the only person I'd ever seen play harp in life was Lily Monster. <laughs> and that was my other inspiration. Because I thought I if they the did get yeah. harp, at least I don't have to clean it. Because I don't know if you remember, she'd play it in dust to mm. be everywhere. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was just like, this really exists. <laughs> you know, like I come upon the Keebler elf. But I was blessed because my teacher, she just was nurturing. Every lesson I'd be, I'd be sitting there, you know, the little stuff she'd give us. I'd be like, would you please tell my parents that you don't want to teach me because I can't do this and I don't understand this, you know, I'm right, please, please, you know, but I'd be playing. Why? Because see, I grew up in the time where you had to do what your parents said. So I practiced, you know, that whole obedience thing. Mm. And if you practice, you get better. That's just it. It is no rocket science, right? And every lesson until one lesson, she said, I'm going to ask your mom if she'll let you go away with me for the summer. Oh. Yeah, I <laughs> I had been six months in and she talked to my parents and my parents let me go to Johnson, Vermont, which is about a half hour above Stowe, Vermont. And they let me go every weekend. My mother and father drove. It took eight hours because there was no 95 wow. up to Vermont to break my hair, Aww. to break my hair because I was nine years old. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you braided for the week and we had to practice until lunch. 
And then we got to do something that doesn't exist in back in the early 70s, little black kids life. And that is, we got to do whatever we wanted to. Go wherever we want. Okay, I'll see you at dinner. <laughs> You're like, and so myself, another nine-year-old and a 10-year-old, we're looking at each other like, what? And so, you know, we test the word like, we can go to town, sure. <laughs> we can go there, sure. Oh my gosh, and it was real country. You walk down a mile and you got to the farm. So we played with the cows. Then you walk down more. I mean, there was a general store, a general store. So all of a sudden I have an older brother and a younger brother. I was like liberated because not only did I not have to see those suckers every Sunday, <laughs> but I was living with this woman who said, practice until lunch. So we practiced like four hours every morning. Mm -hmm. And then you were free and she would hop and give lessons to each of us. I was the newest one. There were about 15 kids that stayed in the house. So I was the newest one. So I stayed in the barn with Charlie, the horse. That's where my heart was. And I'm a city girl, a black city girl. <laughs> like, okay, Charlie, you stay over there and I'll be over here. You know, but I mean, it was incredible. I mean, we worked hard without knowing it. I used to hop the music stands at night and play the other girls' music because hmm. I could read notes, but not rhythms, but I could play what they played because I heard it. Oh, right. um, we'd come back for dinner and then we'd practice after dinner, but you never felt like, oh my gosh, you're practicing all day. And every Saturday we went to Stowe for our art lessons. Hmm. I fancied myself to be an oil painter. Oh, neat. And that was two years. And then she went to Ireland. And my mother and father were like, how about no? Mm. I was 9, 10, 9, 10, 10, 11, 11, 12 was the first year she went to Ireland. I changed in the summer. My parents were like, no. But now the next summer, 12, 13, why was I on a plane? Huh. I asked my parents recently, you know, how come, like, I thought, was I that bad that summer? Like, you know, that you just had to get rid of me. Like, I, and you know, my parents said, they said, no, everybody came back alive. And when you think yeah. about the 70s and them taking that step, not having money, my mm -hmm. parents tell me, I called them from Ireland and said, if you could send me $100, Mrs. Paulson said, we could go to, Ireland, to London for 10 days. Mm -hmm. And my mother tells me how she opened the front door. My father was putting their bags in the car. And she said, take the bags out. Robin needs $100. Oh, wow. They were going to take their first trip. Because remember, my older and younger brother were also somewhere else living their best life, you know? Yeah. And that's why when people see me and they see my parents anywhere and everywhere, that's why. I love your because parents. Gave up everything. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, mom irons my clothes and, you know. <laughs> but uh, they're, they're beautiful. I mean, they're wonderful people. Like, I just... You know, so that's yeah. so that's how I started playing the harp. It was yeah. being away from the brothers. And, and it's also how I learned so much because I didn't have, like I tell my kids now, if I had had these iPads and these. So distracting. We got a call from our parents once every two weeks. Now you got mail. I was a big mail writer. So I got tons of letters all the time. But you didn't have any of this other stuff. You had practice the harp or go up to go down the Glendala with some cheese and apples and look at the water, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, go 
go just walk around, go, you know, just explore, you know, make up silly games, you know, do silly things. And um, so, so yeah. When did I start to love the heart? Mm. Because I never did. It was my job. You understand? I still, like it was what I did, not who I was. And then I went to the first beginning of the middle as a participant. They always say I was spying or I snuck in, but no, I really wanted to find out why people wanted to play the harp because I had just gotten a hundred thousand dollars to start the program in East Orange. And I was like, man, I need to like not be fake. I got to find out what I can do to inspire 13 year olds because my kids start with me at 13. Mm. How do I get them to want to do this thing? And I went to this place and saw all these people older than me walking around with harps that, I mean, these gorgeous, gorgeous, most expensive, you know, the harps to a lot of these people was like that Porsche that they get when they get older or whatever. All of a sudden they had money to buy the most exquisite instruments ever. And they'd sit down and they could barely play. And that's not any shade. But for me, you gotta imagine for me, I'm watching this and they're happy and they're walking around, you know, just like the way Somerset is. They're all happy and and I'm watching them and then I'm playing something and everybody's like, wow, you really play? And I'm like, well, yeah, like it's what I've been trained to do. Mm -hmm. Like this is what I, you know, but watching their enthusiasm, watching how hard they worked to get through something that when I was nine years old, I just sight read, right? right? Seeing all that made, it was like a, a light bulb, like, wait a minute, you really better acknowledge and start to find the love for this thing that you do. Do I have to work at it? Yes, we work very hard to do what we do, but look how much these people love it. And they can't play anything. <laughs> right, yeah. So, yeah. So all of a sudden I got a different kind of appreciation for it and, and a different love for it. So yeah. came into the heart by mistake, but I think God makes no mistakes. Cause like I say, when I look around this room with all these harps, this is what my teacher's room looked like. Hmm. As I told you, she took 15 kids away at a time. Wow. We played ensemble. We played solos, but we always were in packs. And when I look at my life, I became, I became her. Hmm. Like, wait a minute, this is what I do. But that the doors were open. So many more doors were open because of the harp. You know, I mean, oh, just absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's what I like for my kids. That's what I like um, for all the disenfranchised. These kids that don't feel special at all, mm-hmm. but then they go somewhere and play, and people are like, I mean, these are kids who are failing maybe their math class and feeling like crap, and yeah. they go somewhere and. Everybody's like, oh, that was great. And they're like, yeah, there is something I can do well. Mm-hmm. And like I said to them, if you can learn this, you can do your math. You're just not putting enough time in it. Yeah. Oh, you're not trying. Yeah. So yeah, that's my, how do I, why do I play the harp story? <laughs> you know? Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, it, it's, um, I know what my theater kids too, you know, my, you know, the music students too, but the theater kids, like they need it. Like they, it's 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 just they they belong they feel like you know they're not they sometimes they'll feel like a misfit you know and but then they feel like they belong and then I can see their confidence because I, I work with like seven through 12 and I get yes. to see them like just kind of grow and by their senior year I'm like I 
you're just a whole different person, like with this confidence that is just so beautiful to see. And then sometimes all they you need. Help, you help them see that. I remember when I came and saw your students playing and singing and doing, you were like doing that jack of all trade things. Yeah. I remember my first job was like that. Yeah. And we're able to put that into kids who don't necessarily have the family structure, and this is black, white, rich, poor, it's just a mindset mm -hmm. that we no longer have that family structure where they even see their parents at all. Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's another thing that might come out of all this because all of a sudden, families are kind of stuck with each other right now. Yeah. Here's hoping that they find the beautiful part in that. And that they keep, even if they just say, okay, one night a week, mm -hmm. we're going to all sit down like a family yeah, and, and eat and, and do things like that because it's necessary. It's necessary more than ever because the other thing this thing points out to us is it's, it's across the board. Yeah. So some of the things we value at the highest aren't helping us right now. Mm -hmm. Money is not helping anybody that has money. Mm -mm. No. I mean, maybe they have a better place to be quarantined, but they're stuck just like us. Right. You know, yeah. so I, I, I love being an artist. I love that I can bring this side to, to the kids and just let them relax, have fun. When we were doing the Deborah Hansen piece, I paid for hotel rooms for them and their hotel rooms were, had um, kitchen. Oh, wow. Nice. And it was two nights. So I was like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, we want to cook. I was like, sweet Jesus. <laughs> I've got them in hotel rooms. <laughs> and now they want to cook. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we went to, I said, and of course, you know, my parents were always there. Mom, what do you think? She's like, yeah, let them cook, right? So I mean, they made shrimp, fettuccine, salmon. They wow. cooked, cooked. And just like you say, watching them and saying, wow you are exposing them to this whole choice that they have to not just be stuck in one place, yeah. but you can go somewhere. You've got to cook, but now you've got to clean it up. And now you've got to this and that. You've got to be respectful mm -hmm. of people who you're sharing the room with and all of that. So. Yeah, but knowing they can come to you, you know, as a teacher, you know, that they know that you care. I think I think that's the yeah. biggest thing is just knowing that you care. And, and kids can see through you know, phony oh people, <laughs> they know, they know, you know, so I, and I've, I've seen like kids with some directors that they know just don't, you know, or some teachers they know that are just like kind of phoning it in and they just, you know, but if they see that you're teaching and talking to them from the heart, like that just makes a world difference, you know? Yeah. So thank you. Isn't it funny being a teacher, you know, it's not necessarily, it's never something that's on your list or whatever, but now, and even my students, that I teach online. I've been teaching a lot online before this happened, thank goodness, um, because I think it's a huge learning curve and all of that. But watching them, watching the difference, watching them, you know, grow. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like this. See, the online stuff isn't hard for kids. Their lessons are better online than in person because hmm. they're like this, like, oh, okay, oh, okay. Nobody has to go to the bathroom. Hmm. They don't tell me about their day. I don't have, it's like, oh, it's wow. it's business isn't it funny they're yeah. so serious and they're you know i i their attention is better because hmm. this is their medium you see right you're just another game something else for them. 
shoot when they with you. They're like, okay, I'm coming for you. Wow. But yeah, we're we're hopeful. We're blessed. We're blessed to, you know, just have these things called harps. So how did you get in contact with PBS for the you know American Portrait Program? Maureen, and this is a video. I wish I had some beautiful romantic stories to tell you guys. <laughs> My stories are like really like, yeah, I don't want to do this thing. <laughs> so PBS. Okay, you ready? Here okay. we go. My girlfriend called me um, one night. Her name is Marlene Rice. She's a violinist. In fact, she was going to come fiddle with you guys at Somerset. Um, she's amazing. She called me and she said, listen, one of my friends gave this producer my name and told them that he should come interview me for American Portrait at the school. And I don't want to do it. So I want to give him your name. Will you do it? Now, I spent my whole childhood life saying no to any and every opportunity. I was painfully shy, painfully shy. And there's a part of me that probably still is, but I have um, learned and forced myself to just ignore that part that is like, no way, no way. And I say yes to pretty much everything. And I was like, sure, I don't care when it, when he's coming. Tomorrow, <laughs> that next morning, that man showed up at my school. Wow! And and did that interview. Isn't that funny? That's... And did that interview. And um, and I didn't even know you. You looked it up and you saw he had he did three things. Yeah. Out of that one thing, like he'd asked me to do something, even when he said, "Will you?" Um, because I use a scooter at school because the school is very big and my. Mobility, and you see, I use a, school, a scooter at Somerset, and that's to save the mobility I have. Not because I'm not mobile, but to conserve it for when I have to walk. And so he said, "Do you mind um, if I film you on that?" And I'm like, "Once again, right? Did I mind? Absolutely. Hmm. I did. Absolutely. I, ne- I no way." And what did I say? Sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> because you got to learn yourself and I've learned not to trust my initial reaction to anything, you know? And so, and, and so it's funny cause when it came out, like I actually look kind of cool, like riding on that thing. Um, but it was something because when they diagnosed me with multiple sclerosis, 75% of my colleagues who found out told me to never mention it to anyone. Wow. 75%. That's a huge number. And multiple sclerosis can present itself in many, many ways. And there are many people walking around with that, multiple sclerosis, lupus, all sorts of autoimmune diseases that you would never know they have it. Sure. Once again, not mine. I'm just limping along. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you see it. And, and I told, I don't know if I told you, I, I, in the beginning, I was in tears. I was so upset and I was crying. And I said to my husband, I said, when I walk, I look like Frankenstein. Oh. And I was, I, yeah, that was me. I was heartbroken. And my husband said, oh, honey, no. You know how husbands can comfort you yeah. so much. No, you don't look like Frankenstein at all. Oh. I would tell you if you looked like Frankenstein. And so I'm starting to feel like you all happy. He's like, you're thinking about the mummy. That's who you look like. <laughs> 
And, and immediately, right, you can see the mummy because the mummy's the one that drags its leg. That's what so can helpful. I do? Thank you so much. What can I do? Because absolutely. But because of that, and because random strangers come up to me and say, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? Are you okay? And I'm like, I have foot drop. Like, is it really that bad? Is it like, I could never understand still, maybe not why strangers. I'm like, I could have walked like this all my life. Are you kidding me? You think that's appropriate? Yeah. Like it's the craziest thing, but my husband helped me a little with that. He said, Robin, they can't help it because your face is open. Hmm. He said, and I'm not talking about smiling. He said, your face is open because you look at people yeah. right in their eyes. You look at everyone, but that's because I'm so curious about everyone. Like I really love to know people's stories, you know? And he's like, you look at everyone. Hmm. And that's why people feel like they can come and they can ask you anything. And I also decided that, okay, you could see it. So, okay, now people are going to ask. I was concerned and worried. Even when the PBS thing came out, because I just got hired for 2021 to do the festival in Canada. Mm. Oh, wow. And they don't know this about me. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I mean, what's it matter? Oh, my gosh, they're going to think I can't walk. And then I was like, and so what if I can't? Yeah, exactly. I still can get around. And on behalf of all the people who have no voice, these autoimmune diseases are so silent. There's so many people suffering in silence. Like, yeah, come on, like, let's be out of it. I mean, I can go to work and everything be covered. Um, in fact, um, what was it? After the fevers... And then I couldn't taste or smell and then breathing problems. I got a rash. Oh. Like, like I got a rash and I, I dealt with that, but it was only today that I read this other paper and they're like, oh, by the way, another symptom is. I'm Jeez. like, okay, great. But we're pounding through because we as a people and the way I was raised, we're, we're stronger than all this, right? And so that so that's how the PBS thing came about. Mm. And the fact that it got added on to that was just a real, a real blessing that, you know, and you know, you saw, I sent you, you probably didn't have time to look at it, but Bob, you're Bob. Yeah, I did read it. Yeah. I, I read, I read Bob's uh, article. I'm like, who is this person he's talking about? It was I have beautiful. To I have to call him because I wanted out, I needed out of there, giving him all credit, but I really sound like a rock star. And did you see all the Somerset pictures? I love those oh, pictures. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And like, so I read that article. I'm like, yeah, that's totally Robin. Like she's, she is like amazing and wonder, like, and warm and, well, and generous. Let me just tell you, great praise be to God, because it's so cool that all of the things that I thought was just maybe anxiety and I thought was arthritis because my bones always ached and I had all these things always going on that turned out was the MS. Wow. Praise God, number one, that no one ever told me. I got diagnosed when I was 50. Wow. So, and the guy said, I think you've had this for like 30 years. Wow. Yeah, right? And then as I started reading up, I'm like, oh, is that why my hands are always numb? Huh. That's why I can't feel my fingers? You know, all these things. And so 
I'm grateful because it gave me the opportunity to live a life I wouldn't have lived. And now I can tell people though, okay, so your fingers are numb and tingly. So are mine. Mm. So still try. Yeah. Still try. Like you, you walk badly. So suck it up, get a cane, get a scooter, get some things to make it easier. So you can do the things which are important, which is this engaging in people and letting people know I've gone to school. I had a rash. It looked like a butterfly. My whole face, my lips were swollen. And I went to school. The kids walked in and were like, dang, what? Miss Carter. And they're like, come on, make it like this. They're like, come on, would you cut it out? Why are you here? I'm like, well, apparently I'm having some kind of reaction. But since the doctor can't see me until tomorrow morning, what I'm supposed to do, stay home? I'm not using my sick day being sick. I'm using my sick day to travel, you know, but to also show them and I can say them. So stop saying home because you got a pimple on your face. Mm -hmm. Stop um, complaining that you don't think you're the best when you don't have to be the best. You have to be your best. How about you just be your best? How about you try that? Mm -hmm. Because I've had to reevaluate and look at a whole bunch of the perceptions of who I was or what I was and all that. And don't get me wrong. It still doesn't come out to (laughs) like that article. Yeah, you're amazing. But that's why I want the article so I can frame it and look at it and remind myself that somebody thinks I am. And I can ride on that. Mm -hmm. I can ride on that because that's what I want my kids to work on and power through. So multiple sclerosis, is it something you want? Uh, No, but I remember thinking that it wasn't cancer. There was something about that. And I think because I just lost a couple of people to that. And I just remember, you know, you get relieved when you have answers. Sure. When you finally get answers, you know. And it was Harpus who discovered it. MJ Arville was at my school. She used to come work with the kids. And she's like, why are you limping? I'm not, I'm not limping. She said, yeah, you're limping. And that's when I first, you know, started thinking, wait a minute, I am limping. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just things. So I guess... You know, you can't prevent certain things from happening to you, but I think this whole wellness idea and and taking care of yourself, that we all should really get a better handle of it. Yeah. And and I think that that you have the courage to just be out there and be open, help so many people that have, you know, MS or have, you know, autoimmune diseases or, you know, I have friends with lupus. I have friends who have, Uh you know, uh, rheumatoid arthritis and on a good day, people are like, what's wrong with you? Like, why do you have a handicap sticker in your car? You know, and they're like, well, <laughs> you really have to know because it's none of your business. But <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> just because I look OK doesn't mean that I'm not like doesn't mean I am OK. So, you know, and I know somewhere in the back of my mind that there's got to be something more that ultimately and I, I'm not trying to be a poster child for anything or whatever, but I don't know. I walk like the mummy, so I can't hide from you it. Don't you walk know, like the mummy. <laughs> but to be able to be a voice, because don't you find it? Isn't it interesting? Like if you were to say, just off the top of your head, how many handicapped harpists you know? If we got to use that word per se, how many how many harpists do you know with problems? I'm None, sure that, yeah. right? Yeah. None. We're so perfect. We're so <laughs> cute. We're so we get to wear pretty dresses. Then you spend some time, and the real ones 
who are that model or whatever, you spend time with them and realize how real they are and they're cool. And the ones that aren't, eh. But, and I should, and I'm not even really making fun because there actually is something more wrong with that than what we're looking at because you've got like, cause we look at that, that idea and say, well, why are you anxious? Hmm. You know, if my thighs didn't rub, I'd be feeling pretty good. <laughs> you gotta cut that out too. Okay. <laughs> It's true, would, though. It's so true. I would, I would get my life, you know, if I didn't have to figure out where to put the heart because, you know, right? right. You know, um, but I think there's such a, there's such a place. There's such a place for all of us. Mm. And some of these things we, we need to be talking about and helping our kids. I mean, I have a 12-year-old who looks like a 17 year old she's mm. you know so overweight and so big but when i tell you she is a rock star first her her and her brother eight and 12 half hour lessons each right mm-hmm. then she wanted more time half hour lesson for the brother hour for them then i got organized and sent out google forms to all my students so they could um you know say what were the best all the possible slots for lessons for them mm. her mother calls me and says she could have two lessons a week so now, two lessons a week, hour and a half. As of this past weekend, she gets another hour because mm. she wants three lessons a week. Wow. And what I did is, so I'll do that on Saturday. I don't normally teach on Saturdays, but that's going to be the Latin jazz day. Oh, neat. Because this young lady literally opens Alfredo Ortiz's music and she plays it. Wow. I don't teach it to her. And if I had explained it to her, she'd probably look at me like, what are you talking about? Hmm. Like she gets all the rhythms wow. because her father is from um, Guyana, Guyana, Indian. She's heard these rhythms, you know, she's with her grandmother making roti hmm. and all sorts of stuff. Those rhythms without her knowing it, she sees the notes and instinctively she's playing this stuff. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah. How cool is that? And so, um, she needs a she needs a place. Yeah, yeah. She's she's gonna need a place. And like you were saying with your kids, you know, they talk about it jokingly. We used to say it takes a village, but these kids talk about having a tribe and they really need one. Yeah. You know, to get through these kind of times, to do all these things. So yeah, that's how the PBS special came about. Hmm. My friend didn't want to do it. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad that it worked out because I, I I really love it. I you know I know it's just little like quotes from you, but I just think it's so. Um, I think it's just really important, and I, I know it sounds kind of cheesy if I say powerful, but I think it is powerful to like have the courage to say, "Hey, you know what? I'm not perfect, and you know, yeah. but I still love myself, and I can yeah. still you know express you know myself, and then that makes people say like." You know, I'm like, you're, I'm sure your students like, well, I'm not perfect either, but this is what makes me happy. I like, I like that it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And I like, I mean, it took me a long time before I would speak for real. Um, but something happens, you know, when you maybe get a disease like this, that you can't, you can't control, you can't control, you can't do much for. And you start to realize how much time you've wasted trying to fit in to everybody else's life. And and where's yours? Like, what about yours? 
I was making myself crazy, even with this, with this interview. This no, is no. what's so funny. <laughs> if it makes you feel like, but I was nervous too. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I was, <laughs> you know, you're like a wreck. And then it's like, okay, I can acknowledge that I'm feeling like a wreck, feeling crazy. What am I going to put on? Oh, I'm sat here and how much weight have I gained since oh. I've been home? You know, that thing it says, make sure you try a pair of jeans every week because your sweatpants are lying to you, <laughs> you know? Um, just all sorts of things, but oh my gosh, what an opportunity to talk about music, to talk about the love of music, to talk about, you know, getting this Somerset thing online and virtual so that people anywhere in West Chukafui, they could be in their like one band with internet seeing something they would have never seen. And, 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 and it's just such a blessing because I've lived through when we had, it's funny to me to think about it now because we didn't even have computers. We, we had pen and paper in Ireland weren't even pay phones that we could use really. Like we didn't have cell phones. How did three kids under the age of 12 manage to roam the country with no way of asking anyone anything, but to get back to where you started. So it's an amazing time an amazing way to reach people in other ways and share with them the other things Definitely is. that we do. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. You have something here. I just read this question. It's so funny. It says, what do you think makes you a good teacher? Mm. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. What, what, what do you think makes you a good teacher? I don't, I don't, I don't have a pedigree. You see, um, my teacher, Although she studied with Salzedo, she was, you know, um, other Salzedo people and big teachers. We're like, ah, she was never really, you know, anybody. You know, she was one of those that got brushed off like that. Um, and the reason I say I don't really have a pedigree is because she taught us. Well, first of all, I stayed with her for 20 years. That's ridiculous for anyone. No one should stay with a teacher for 20 years solely. Everybody needs input because how do you find you if you, I just believe variety and I love master classes and having kids study with other people. Um, my goal really is for the kids to find themselves. You know, I do a workshop called Practice Makes You. And since I get them at 13, unless they're really, really driven, and the ones that are or really driven in that certain pedagogical, I want to do competition type of way, mm -hmm. you recognize them immediately. You will recognize, you will see. And literally I spend all the time I'm teaching them thinking where I can send them mm -hmm. because if they have that kind of drive, then they, I had a kid named Zach and I knew, I knew immediately. And I spent two years trying to get his mom to send him to Juilliard prep. Wow. It took two years before she'd send him there. But I spent mm -hmm. two years trying to get him because you already knew. And now he's in Denmark, first harpist of the Royal Danish Symphony Orchestra. Wow. And he's all of 23. <laughs> you know, he was the first American male accepted into um, the conservatory in Paris. That's incredible. You know, he just really was able to go. So I think that, and I couldn't have gotten there, but I know who can. Do you know what I mean? I know who can. Um, so for me, certain things that are important or the things that I know that for life they're going to, they're going to need. So yes, I want you to learn this song and this song, but wow, 
I see you really like jazz, so we better make sure you learn your chord symbols. I think you need to be able to make something up. I think I want you to play some piano music and not let you write in the pedals. I think I want you like, I'm, I, I'm more, I want to prepare them for life. And then if I see if they're leaning towards and you can see they have a shot in that whole pedagogical different type world, I want to prepare them for that. So now that kid's going to get the songs that are on the, you know, top 10 lists. Oh my God. That just doesn't change. That's just like, oh, do we really have to hear it? I've gone, you know, when I went to Switzerland, I was like, I can't, I can't hear another box transcription. I just can't. Can we go have wine and eat mussels? Like, like, you know, but you can see in a kid what, who, and where. And so I would say if anything makes me a good teacher, that I can see that um, helps me. Um, I think I'm a good teacher because I continually try to learn and try to be better because I know my faults. One of my biggest faults is that the kids feel warmth and love from me. And the reason I say it's my biggest fault is because I have to get them to understand that yes, we're warm and we're loving, but if you come to your lesson and you haven't practiced, I'm gonna drink tea and turn on the timer and your mom's gonna pay me for watching you practice. Like I, they've got, I want them to know that, you know, this is serious and their parents are sacrificing and they must practice mm -hmm. also, you know? Um, but I think because I listen and I try to see each kid individually. I told a parent the other day, I said to the parent, I work for you. And most of my friends and especially teachers, they don't really feel that way. They're like, you do it my way or the highway. And I'm like, I work for you. What do you want for your daughter? What does your daughter then want for herself? And let's find where that works. I'll tell you if what you want doesn't make sense and how I can get you to where what you want is, but we need to take these steps. Right. Now, if you tell me, I don't care, I don't want to, I don't know, well, then I'll do what you want because you're paying me. Right. You're, and yeah. really, the teachers who tell kids they'll get hurt from playing stuff that's above their level or that's just that you're lying. You'll get hurt because you think your reputation hurts because they're going out there playing and, and maybe sounding a hot mess. But they're not going to hurt themselves. Like So I, I think I really try to see and steer and, 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 you know, let the, and I really, with my kids, I try to get them to love the instrument, which is something I never even thought of because of how I came through it. Yeah. But I try to get them to appreciate like this is a really cool, special thing that yeah. they do. And it's something they can take with them their entire lives. Forever. Yeah. I told them I have a friend whose husband is a surgeon and I was talking to her. It's like, wow, what CD is that? I love that Chopin piece. Which one, which one is it? She's like, that's Glenn. Hmm. He always plays the piano after he has a big surgery. Wow. Where did he learn it? As a child. Yeah. So I'm a big believer in kids learning Definitely. and kids starting because it's almost like the Bible says, you know, raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets old, he won't depart from it. Hmm. Like lots of stuff's going to happen. But when it gets older, like you come back to what you know. If you get a good foundation, yeah. if you do things, and I have people contact me all the time, I want to get my harp back. Okay. Here's a harp and come to Somerset. Yeah. You know, yeah, this yeah. is place to go. No, I, I'd had um, a music professor say to me once, like, because we were talking about like the way that certain 
you know, auditions will go and how certain teachers only want to have like, you know, the singer who already has got her technique down, no vocal issues because that teacher has never had an issue. So they don't know how to deal with anybody who has potential, but they, you know, they don't know how to, you know, how to teach someone with any kind of vocal difficulty or how to overcome it or how to teach them around it because they may not have had that. So they only see like there's two kinds of teachers. So this one professor was saying to me, you know, there's the teachers who want their students to make them look good. And then there's teachers who want to make their students look good, you know, so getting that ego out of the way to say like, I always tell the kids, I say, you will not make my reputation. Mm -hmm. You will not make it. You will not break it. And if you can, then have at it because I'm, I'm too old to be worried about that. You know, I've worked too hard and whatever I am, whoever I am, it's honest. Might not look good on paper or whatever, even though it's looking better on paper now, maybe. But, you know, I mean, it just, you know, I was told long ago, I said, you know, they're like, you don't have any specialty. You know, nobody knows what to do with you. You know, when they hire you, like, you're not the Celtic girl or you're not the this, you're not the that, you're not the that. And they're like, you're always going to be known as the teacher. And I'm like, okay. So that means that once they get all their specialty people, they can look at what they need taught and give me whatever they like. I, I just, I can't, you know, life's too short yeah. for those kind of egos and those kind of things. And that's really what it is. Yeah. It's not for the kid. I mean, do I sometimes cringe because my kid is playing and the harp's not as in tune as it should be because I make them tune? Yeah. No, I totally understand. But when I show them the video, they cringe too. Mm -hmm. Like, like well, so you won't do it do? again. Yeah, you're not going to do it again. You're going to tune. You're going to prepare. What, what, yeah, what are we going to do? You yeah. forgot you had to play that note, but you should have tuned the whole harp. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh. I think it's a special kind of person that can be a good teacher. You know, I, I think that's, and to inspire people too. That's like a whole other thing. That's And that's bringing Especially that in our society now because the parents have the children doing 50 things yeah i know i know you know and so how do you fit into that they're exhausted makeup? yeah the kids are stressed yeah. and exhausted and they're having a hard time for focusing and you know it's you know it's challenging yeah it's interesting because you would think and i'm sure your husband sees it that four weeks into this <clears throat> they would start maybe waking up and start thinking, hmm, maybe I need to get a schedule. Maybe I need to not, but that's not what we're seeing. No. But I think it's also because we just also have to acknowledge, you know, the huge grief mm -hmm. that they don't even understand why they're experiencing it. Oh, I know. You know? Yeah. Our seniors. First week was fun. Second week was funny. Third week was like, we still here. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. The seniors. Do you have a lot of seniors? Oh, a lot of seniors. Yeah. I, I'm so heartbroken for them. It's like, I can't even like, but luckily, like the last play I directed, we got nominated for an award at Montclair State. Ah, uh, yes. So that was like one little, like little bit of good news I could send them, you know? Yep. So, yep. you know, so the seniors are a little happy about that, but they're like so hard. No prom, no, no graduation. You know, graduation. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I'm just trying my best to kind of like 
if there's anything I can do to cheer him up or whatever, there's like, yeah, what can you do? You know? During right now, during these times, there is no wrong answer. Hmm. Except for going outside. No. <laughs> Do not go outside. Not, not wearing a mask and not, you know, Seriously. all these kind of things. But yeah, we just, you know, we'll do what we can as we can. Yeah. Robin, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to me today. And I I hope to see you soon. And just thank you for everything that you do. And we're so, so lucky to have you as a teacher. And I'm so lucky to have you as a friend. And um and get my love to your students, and I hope I will see you soon. Oh, I sure will, honey. So, I sure will. Thanks so much. Thank you, and thanks okay. for like taking time out to talk to me. No, mm-mm. so and and let's remind each other: never we should be nervous. True. <laughs> I know. All right, I will. I will okay. hopefully talk to you soon. Okay, okay sweetie, you take care. Thank okay, you too. Say hi to your mom okay. and dad for me. I sure will. Okay, bye bye. Bye. You'll find links in the show notes to Robin's website and where you can purchase her music, as well as links to the Somerset Folk Harp Festival. The music used here is the Lord's Prayer off of Robin's album, Just As I Am, which can be found online and on iTunes. And if you're a harpist or planning a wedding and you want a handy guide to ceremony music, go on over to moonoverthetrees.com slash weddings where I have a free guide to wedding music, planning your wedding ceremony for uh, classical music and also Irish and Scottish tunes. Thanks for listening to the Moon Over the Trees music and theater productions podcast. Dive into the show notes at moonoverthetrees.com and if you enjoyed the show please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. Our show's theme music was composed by Arish Khan. I had the opportunity to play on this track with some amazing artists, so stay tuned for the record release later this year. And be sure to check out my website, Facebook page, Instagram, and Pinterest for Moon Over the Trees for more information on artists, upcoming interviews, and inspiration for your own musical and theatrical learning journey.